Welcome to The Wrap, a Warren Averett podcast for business leaders designed to help you access vital business information and trends when you need it so you can listen, learn, and then get on with your day. Time is tight. That's why our advisors have wrapped up today's most timely topics into a podcast with actionable advice. Now, let's get down to business. Hey, Kim. Hey, Paul. How are you today? I am good. The sun is out and I'm at home and healthy, so I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing wonderful and and being at home is what everybody is right now. And so today is March 28th and we wanted to be very specific with that date. Uh, Since we're talking about this new piece of legislation that's kind of a fluid situation that's gonna be ever changing. As you know, yesterday on the 27th of March, the House passed the president signed uh, the Coronavirus Aid, Relief, and Economic Security Act, also known as the CARES Act. The goal of the bill is to help keep businesses afloat during this trying time and to keep employees employed. That's right. And we're really fortunate today to have two of our um, more neighborhood members with us, uh, Will Adderholt and Adam West. They have been literally, I don't know if they've slept since last Wednesday when um, the Senate was passing this bill. They've been following it and just diving into the details so that they can have a really good grasp on what it means and how the CARES Act will impact individuals and businesses. So we're really excited to have you both here with us today. So welcome, Will and Adam. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. So while we know there are provisions in the act that impact individuals, uh, this conversation today we want to center around how the act can support businesses that are in distress situations. So Will, we'll start with you. What are some things that businesses should be thinking about right now with with respect to their financial health? So, Kim, it it really goes back to to some of the things we hit on briefly in our last coronavirus podcast. Uh, And it really goes, in my mind, the most important thing is for a business to to really make informed decisions right now. It really goes back to having a plan uh, and knowing your numbers, which is vitally important. Because if you don't know your numbers, you really don't know where you're going and how to make informed decisions as you move through this crisis uh, and and try to make a plan to keep your business as liquid as you can. Really, the first step to that is to to really analyze your particular focus on cash flow and liquidity in your businesses, knowing that the plan won't be perfect. Obviously, businesses can't predict right now what their sales will be, but I would really encourage people not to let that prohibit them from doing projections to really try to understand where their business might be in one week, two weeks, two months down the road. The second thing I would say is sure that you're communicating third-party stakeholders, your insurance agent, uh, sureties, anyone like that who has a financial stake in your business, as well as your customers. And when you're having those conversations with your banker, be thinking about how you can access liquidity for your business. Yeah, something that I've talked to one of my clients about who they are in the construction industry and they have had several contracts that have been put on hold. And so they basically just redone their budget for the year. And they've they've just assumed that that revenue is not going to hit this year. So instead of, let's just use round numbers, instead of budgeting off of a $70 million year based off of your contracts, they backed those off and said, we're only going to budget for a $50 million year because then now we put our, our expenses in line with our revenues. So they're just being conservative and just projecting as best they can. Now they'll have to continue to adjust that, but 
is that what you're talking about when you're saying understand your numbers and continue to project even if you don't really know how things are going to shake out from a revenue perspective? That's right. Yeah. You know, oftentimes I see businesses that say, well, they just sort of throw up their hands, right? And say, I don't know what my sales are going to be. I don't know what my expenses are going to be. But, you know, like your client, I've been doing the same thing with a client this week. And, and it really boils down to, okay, well, let's, let's redo that budget um, and then run some scenarios. What if we have no, what if we get shut down? We have no sales in April. What if we have no sales in May? You know, what does that look like? You know, it's very important from there, not even with your budget, usually just gets you back down to what your net income is, what your profit. But then in addition to that, you've got to go another step and say, okay, well, how is my cash collection cycle going to be affected as well? Same thing on your inventory. What if, you know, I've already got an inventory purchase orders in. I've got, what if I have to receive them? I've got containers maybe coming in from overseas. If I'm not selling them, I've still presumably got to pay for that inventory. So you just have to go a step further uh, and really assess not just the profit, but what is your cash flow going to look like? So the companies that are flexible, that have a little bit of resilience to them, those are the ones that are going to kind of uh, eke out of this uh, a little bit more positive than others is, is that ability to kind of pivot. Uh, we, they all just spent the last, you know, three or four months getting ready for the year and now they got to do it again. So uh, I, I, I have always said through this resilience and flexibility is, is going to be the key to success. That's right. And, and, and even more so for a lot of businesses, it's an opportunity, right? If all of your competitors are making major reactions, just slashing costs, laying people off, you know, really just going to to the extreme, well, to take a more mild approach, if your balance sheet does support you being able to make some strategic moves during this time, a lot of businesses really have an opportunity to gain a strategic advantage if they can really sit down and formulate a plan, knowing that it's going to change. It's going to be a very fluid situation for the next few months, and no plan is going to be perfect, but you just need to have one. Everybody be committed within the organization to communicating a plan almost real time. So many companies have been hit really hard by the pandemic and have even closed their doors. So we can talk to them about projecting and budgeting, but they don't know when they're going to reopen and they really are unsure of cash flow. But the government has introduced several pieces of legislation that are aimed to increase liquidity. Can you tell us more about those? Yeah, so there are many, uh, almost to the point that I'm sure a lot of business owners are, are getting confused. A lot of state, local, city, even nonprofit organizations have introduced various measures uh, to provide businesses with short-term liquidity, grants, loans, all sorts of things, sales tax abatements. So I would encourage any business owner to make sure you get a good understanding of really the topics that, that we're here to talk about today, which are the couple of federal bills that have come out over the last couple of weeks. First, the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, um, and then the second being the CARES Act. To give you a real brief overview of those, uh, which we'll get into more detail in a second, the Families First Act is designed to provide credits to employers for 100% of uh, the leave that they pay to their employees in the event that an employee needs to take off of work for one of several uh, reasons related to the coronavirus. And then the second is the CARES Act, which is primarily for sort of smaller, middle-sized businesses. Uh, it revolves around loans uh, from the SBA that are subsequently forgiven if a business meets certain uh, requirements and, and does certain things with the proceeds of the loan. Well, you, you talk about the SBA loan, and um, I know we're, the SBA disaster loan has been around for several years uh, and is helpful to a lot of 
uh, company. So I assume that there is a difference between the SBA disaster loan and the SBA 7A loan that you just recommend that you just talked about. Uh, Adam, do you do you want to kind of jump into that difference? Yeah. So there there is a difference um, between SBA disaster loans and uh, the 7A loan program that we're going to talk about today. The primary difference is disaster loans uh, do not contain a loan forgiveness feature that is in the 7A loan program. And, and we'll get more into those details. And at a high level, the disaster loans are applied for by going directly to the SBA's website, whereas the 7A program goes through a, a private lender, uh, an SBA preferred lender. Want to receive a monthly newsletter with wrap topics? Head on over to warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap and subscribe to our email list to have it delivered right to your inbox. So you talk about the business applying for the SBA loan, disaster loan through their website. Are there folks that are eligible for the expanded 7A loan program that wouldn't normally be covered under a disaster loan by the SBA? So they are. And the 7A eligibility requirements have been expanded as part of the CARES Act. Um, so if you were to go out there today and just look at the 7A loan program, um, you, you probably, I mean, you may or may not qualify, but usually those loans are targeted at, you know, startups and small business. But basically what they've done is they've opened up the eligibility now to where if you employ not more than 500 employees, you could be eligible um, for the 7A loan. And I would just caution that 500 employee test with uh, the aggregation rules. Uh, so the SBA has some aggregation rules to where if you have outside investors who also own other companies, you have to start aggregating um, ownership and employees for purposes of this test. So I would just you know caution that 500 employee test with that. Uh, but the primary difference is um, really the loan forgiveness that that's available in the 7a program and then the disaster loans do not contain that loan forgiveness feature and one thing that we're keeping a close eye on is if you have loan proceeds from an sba disaster loan and loan proceeds from a 7a loan there's a provision in in the act that says those funds cannot be commingled and used for the same purpose so that so that's one of the things we're keeping an eye on because a lot of people have gone out and they've applied for these disaster loans uh, before the CARES Act was in place. So we just want to make sure that you know in the event someone has already applied for a disaster loan that you know closing on that loan uh, doesn't prevent them um, from receiving the benefits under the 7A program. So we just want to make sure that those funds are being used for different purposes. You know, Adam, one other thing that's a difference in the 7A loan as it currently sits and the modifications in the CARES Act is the really a, a huge cut out of um, the underwriting requirements, right? So what I've been told by a banker is that it used to take, on average, about 40 hours of computer time, you know, inputting financial data for the borrower into a computer to originate one of these 7A loans. And what we're hearing is the goal is for it to take 10 minutes uh, under the new CARES Act for them to be able to approve a loan. Which is amazing to even think that they could get that done. But we are hearing that, right? That banks are saying, you come in, you apply, within a couple of hours, you could walk out with money in hand. And I think, um, you know, I know we're all having conversations and it sounds too good to be true, right? Our clients are looking at us and saying that doesn't seem like that could be possible. 
Definitely. And and we're hearing some banks that are already um, accepting applications or you know getting their uh, customers in line. Um, so we expect this to be spun up very quickly, um, and you know some banks um, may start receiving. You know, the majority of banks may start receiving applications by the end of, of next week. So, Adam, the we talked about how fast the banks are saying they can approve this, but it is a little complicated in terms of how you calculate what the 7A loan amount can be and what it can be used for. So can you just give us a little bit more detail about the program and how it works? Yep. So at a high level, and, and we don't have to get into the weeds of the calculation, uh, and we, we have a you know pretty detailed article on our website that will uh, you know walks through the the calculations. Um, but at a high level, what a small business is going to do is they're going to take their monthly average uh, payroll, and they're going to multiply that number times 2.5, and that's going to be their loan amount. Now there's a lot of exceptions in there, but they're going to take their monthly average payroll times 2.5. That's their loan amount. And then when those loan is dispersed, um, that starts an eight-week clock. And then they will have eight weeks from the loan origination date to spend those loan proceeds on qualifying expenses. Now, qualifying expenses include payroll, rent, utilities, and interest expense. So they're going to have eight weeks to spend those proceeds. They do that, and if if they're able to maintain their headcount, um, and basically, they, they can't reduce their employees' wages by more than 25%. So if they do those two things, then 100% of the loan can be forgiven. Now, we know a lot of people, um, especially those um, that have already seen you know, a major impact, um, have already had to let workers go. So there's a special carve-out in the Act for where employers that have already had to let people go, as long as you bring them back by June 30th, of this year, um, they don't count against you in your loan forgiveness count. You know, and that provision was put in there so you know people that have already had to lay workers off before the act was enacted, um, they can bring those workers back and still obtain 100% loan forgiveness. You know, Adam, one thing I've gotten a lot of questions on related to what you just mentioned with you know with respect to being able to bring employees back is that it's you don't necessarily have to bring those particulars and employees back right it's it's just based on getting your head count back up to where it was before that's a really good point and um i think that other questions were people are getting kind of confused by the fact that you take your monthly payroll average two and a half times to calculate the loan amount but you can spend the loan proceeds on other expenses that qualify. And I think that has been something that people have been confused about. Yeah. And if you look at the act and, and I think it's also interesting, um, you know, just some of the comments from uh, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, you know, what they're trying to do is, you know, he uses the term and has used the term, uh, you know, we're just trying to give businesses, you know, two, two and a half months of, of you know, enough money for payroll and some overhead. Um, and that's what they're doing. So, you know, you can use these proceeds. Great point, Kim. You can use these proceeds for um, not only payroll, but also overhead. Um, and they're really trying to help, you know, small business bridge the gap. So we've talked about the 7A loan piece of the act. 
Um, are there other provisions that um, kind of help distressed businesses? So there are several uh, favorable provisions in here, um, and some of those can can affect your ability. The big one uh, that will affect every company that has leasehold improvements or you know, restaurant property or retail property um, is the qualified improvement property fix. So for those, um, just you know, quick overview, there was a glitch in the uh, tax law um, back in 2017 with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act that basically required all uh, leasehold improvements, restaurant property, real t- retail property to be depreciated over 39 years, and it wasn't eligible for bonus. And they've been trying to push this technical correction through for the last two years. Well, good news, it is now passed. It was part of this act. So now all of that property is eligible for 100% bonus depreciation. Um, and of course, the reason they did that is to really try to, you know, help companies that are struggling. Um, there, there will be an amended return opportunity to the extent you have, um, you know, significant uh, qualified improvement property in prior years, and then of course in 2019 being able to fully expense uh, those costs. So that, that's a that's a huge item um, that's going to help a lot of companies. And then we're also you know, hearing a lot and, and think that it will be very beneficial with the payroll tax deferral. Um, and that's going to be beneficial for companies because it's going to allow them to defer uh, the employer share of their payroll tax through the end of 2020. Uh, and then basically they would remit half of that deferral uh, in January of 2021 and the other half in January of 2022. So um, not necessarily a, a, a tax cut, but a tax deferral. Um, and that will help some companies with cash flow. I should note that if you are participating in the 7A loan program, you're not eligible uh, to, you know, take advantage of the the employer tax deferral. So that's one thing that you know companies should be aware of. So while there's a lot of provisions, you got to be careful that there are some. You, you can't just take all of them and do them all at once, right? There's some that. If you're doing this one, you can't do that one kind of thing. So you got to determine what's best for your entity and, and go that route. So the two that we're seeing right now that you, if you take advantage of the 7A loan program that you wouldn't be able uh, to take advantage of would be the employer tax deferral and the employee retention credit. You know, there were several items in the tax reform bill that were put in in order to keep it under budget uh, over that 10-year period that weren't there before, um, in particular, uh, the restriction on carrying back net operating losses. Uh, there was a business interest limitation uh, that was put in that, that sort of limited the amount of, of interest that a company could deduct. And then there was also this excess business loss limitation that, again, sort of restricted s- certain losses from being able to be offset against other income. Uh, and then under the CARES Act, all three of those items have been relaxed uh, a good bit. And so that's just another thing that people want to talk to their accountants about because there may be refund opportunities there that could generate cash flow. So, Will, we've talked a lot about the business impact of the CARES Act. Um, I know there's some folks out there that are probably curious about the individual impact. Is there something quick you can give the listeners about the individual impact of this of this CARES Act? Yeah, probably the the one that I'm seeing that's having the most impact on our clients is the delay of the tax deadline uh, from April 15th to July 15th. And going along with that, uh, any payments that were due for 2019, as well as first quarter 2020 estimated tax payments, have both been um, delayed until July 15th so that taxpayers can 
delay those payments and not have any interest or penalties accrue on those dollars. Um, and then secondary to that, you know, and I'm sure I'm, I'm not going to belabor this because it's been in every article, it's, but it's also these individual payments um, from the government to families uh, based on your income and family size uh, that they're hoping to be, you know, that will be going out in, in very short order. So on the wrap, we always wrap it up in 60 seconds or less. What would you like to leave the listener with today, Adam? So big picture, I mean, this, this stimulus is the largest stimulus in the history of the country, over $2 trillion. There's really something in here for every individual, every business out there. Um, you know, some will get more benefit than others, but the thing we would like to leave everybody with today is there's something in here um, for you that will be beneficial. This bill is over 880 pages. And we really think that the $350 billion stimulus for small business, which is just a small part of this $2 trillion package, um, the, the small business stimulus is going to be uh, really unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it. So we're really uh, following closely how the banks are going to come online with this and the lenders. Um, so that's something that we're going to see a lot on in the next few days. And to the extent that you think you qualify as a small business and, are, and would be eligible for this program, you know, we'd like to tell everybody to go ahead and reach out to your lender um, as soon as possible and let them know that you're interested in this. And then, um, you know, like I mentioned earlier, this bill is 880 pages. Um, there's a lot in here for every business. Um, I'd also recommend that everyone go out to our website. Um, we're posting updates uh, daily with multiple articles out there and, um, you know, we'll keep you up to date uh, there as well. Yeah, and if you're a regular listener to the podcast, please check back because we are going to continue with these special edition uh, episodes as new information comes out. And we want to continue to break down the 800 plus pages of this, this bill to give the listeners more information that would be helpful to them. So Will and Adam, thank you so much for being Thanks, with us today. Paul, great to, to see you. Um, you too, Kim. And I hope everyone stays well and healthy, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. And that's a wrap. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a review on your streaming platform. To check out more episodes, subscribe to our podcast series, or make a suggestion for other topics to cover, visit us at warrenaverett.com forward slash the wrap.